and we're off. Okay. Well, hi. I'm so glad to have you. Yeah. Thank you. Where is God when your child is hurting? You know, there right. was a time when I didn't know if he would, I didn't know if he knew how much I loved him. I didn't know how to pray anymore. Welcome to a special Hope Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Brody, and today I'd like to welcome to the show a new friend of mine, Ivana Sandusky. Ivana is a God-fearing wife and mother of two children. Her daughter has Down syndrome and a complex medical history. Professionally, Ivana is a pediatric speech-language pathologist in private practice, and today we'll be talking through Parenting a Child Who is Medically Complex, which is most of what your book is about, Badges of Motherhood. One Mother's Story About Family, Down Syndrome, Hospitals, and Faith. So, Ivana, welcome to A Special Hope. Yes, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, before we get started, tell me about your involvement with Key Ministry. Uh, how long have you been writing for them? And did you come from Not Alone or Church for Every Child? Or how did you get involved with Key? I was writing for Barb's website. And we kind of, everybody transitioned over from the Snappin' Ministries, if they wanted to, to join Key Ministry back almost a year ago. Yes. So I, I was writing for Snappin' Ministries, and then that kind of fused into Key Ministries. So I have been with them, I think I started in January of last year. That's wonderful. So what is the hardest thing you have experienced as a parent? Yeah, that has changed over the years. At first, I was a new parent. I just had a baby, 25 years old, and it was extremely hard to hear, you have a child with Down syndrome. And that was right when she was born. Wasn't expecting it. Wasn't on my radar. I mean, I was 25. I, I, I thought that was like unheard of to have Down syndrome and be a young mother. And so that was yeah. certainly very hard and unexpected. And then a few hours later, then to hear, oh, your child has a large hole in their heart and they're going to need heart surgery. I thought it was unheard of to have a child with Down syndrome when you're in your 20s. Um, and then certainly it was hard to hear that she had an AV heart canal defect and we need open heart surgery. That was unexpected. I never thought anything was wrong throughout my pregnancy. So those were certainly hard days for me and unexpected. But since then, it's changed a lot. My husband and I at first kind of made these benchmarks like, well, if we just get through the open heart surgery, like then life will feel normal. But in almost 13 years of having my daughter, that's just changed like over and over and over again. We always think this is like the worst thing we've ever been through. And then something else happens. So, but, but the thing that sticks out the most is in 2013, she was very sick and was no stranger to hospitals or the um, ICU for that matter. And we were in there with a respiratory problem, just like normal. And then the first night that she was in that hospital, 
she just suddenly her blood pressure tanked and it was a rush and a flood of people. And before I knew it, it was she needs a ventilator. She's on all kinds of medicine. It was touch and go. They didn't know if she was going to make it. And we eventually found out she had septic shock and acute respiratory distress syndrome, which neither one of those have a very good outlook and, and, and uh, survival rate. And so it was three weeks of not knowing what was going to happen while she was there on the ventilator. And every day was just a new level of stress of uh, her blood pressure is too high. Now it's too low. Now her, her heart looks weird and it's not, it's not functioning correctly. And so that was definitely the hardest illness and the hardest thing we've ever gone through for sure with JC, our daughter. Wow. And how many children do you have? We have two. I have JC who's getting ready to turn 13 next month. And then my son, Elijah is nine. Nine. Okay. Wow. That must've been so hard going through that yo-yo time of something's wrong. Now something else is wrong. Oh, it got better. Now something else is wrong again. That must've been really difficult to deal with. It was. And when you're in, when you're in a crisis like that, it's just so bizarre because the rest of the world just goes on. I would look out the hospital window and think all these people are going to work or go shopping. And I'm like in here wondering if my kid's going to make it, you know, it's just such a bizarre situation to be in. Yes. And with social media, well, let's see. What kind of social media was was available at that time? Uh, I was not. When the, the 2013 incident where she's in the hospital, I was not on Facebook then. I, I, I'm a newbie to Facebook, actually. But and oh. yeah, <laughs> and, and so when, and she, when she was born, like none of that, I I didn't have to deal with Facebook or any of that stuff. I really kind of right. avoided that for a long time. Sure. Well, I, yeah, that's totally understandable. I just think in times, you know, nowadays when things happen and, you know, you might just be mindlessly on your phone and scrolling through and you just see posts about food or, you know, someone's upset about how someone else is driving and you're thinking, yeah, I don't know if my kid's going to live. Right. <laughs> it all seems so pointless. Yes. You know, uh, it just seems like, does anybody else understand that there are serious things happening? But it's just that's that's life, and it's it, it kind of a slap in the face actually to deal with sometimes. So now with your son Elijah, does he have any uh, medical or health issues at all? Yeah, he was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome um, probably a year and a half ago. He's cognitively he's fine, and he's still young, and that typically kind of the the problems get worse as they get older. But he's had some motor issues and just some low tone and just hyper flexibility that is, you know, I'm like, oh, your shoulder's out of socket, like put it back in, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> like, this isn't normal. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was the name of that syndrome again? Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Ehlers-Danlos. And what is that? It is a connective tissue disorder and there's different types and he just has the hypermobility type. So he's extra flexible. It affects your skin. It affects your muscles, your ligaments, all kinds of things like that. So he's just always been kind of low toned and he can easily move his joints with more play in them than any of us would think about doing. Uh, and it makes him kind of tire out quickly, but 
Okay. He's functioning quite well right now. He was in therapy, physical therapy and stuff like that for, for several years trying to get it going. And then when we got the diagnosis, just a lot of things made sense after that. Wow. So what was it like to have a second child with another medical diagnosis? Well, the at first, okay, before I had him, that's all I worried about because when you when you have a child that's went through surgeries and the medical world and the special needs world is all you know and it just didn't seem like a given that my child might be healthy like it didn't seem like it would just happen like everybody else did wow. so i have to be honest and say and i talk about this in my book a lot i was a nervous wreck to have another child mm-hmm. and not necessarily about down syndrome but anything. And so it took a lot of faith to have that happen. And then, you know, he seemed fine at two. There were some minor problems and some of them, it was like, am I being paranoid or is this really something? And, and sometimes they were so minor, it just seemed like, well, I can blow this off because, you know, he's okay. And so it, it was as confusing as his symptoms went along and and, you know, he has this unexplained low muscle tone that, well, why does he have that and no other diagnosis? And there was just a lot of questions. When we finally got the diagnosis, it was clarity. It was relief. It was, okay, now everything makes sense now. And, of course, when I read about what he could go through in the future and chronic pain, it was it was devastating for a few days to know, like, okay. But, you know, I had to... Going through the diagnosis a second time, I had a much healthier perspective because that first time, I just thought, honestly speaking, I thought my life is over. My kid's life is not going to be good. I was just very Debbie Downer, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just, I, I didn't, I didn't get a lot of hope from a lot of people from especially doctors and the professionals that were in my daughter's life early on. And she was a baby, so she didn't really have much of a personality besides, you know, being awake and eating and sleeping. So the second time around, I think I had a a healthier perspective of, you know, this doesn't mean his life's going to be horrible. He's going to have some challenges. But man, I love that kid and we're going to get through it together. So that that part of it seemed uh, to go a little bit easier. Yeah. So how has your faith been challenged while raising your your children? Oh, gosh. Um, Elijah's situation hasn't really affected me too much spiritually, but I've grown through the things that I went through with JC. And so with my daughter and just getting diagnosed with this and that and thinking, okay, the worst is over. And then, you know, it's a hospital stay. It's respiratory distress. It's another surgery. It's you need this medical equipment. It's been hard because there's, there's only so much a person can take. And then you just, you learn things about yourself that you didn't think that you would need to know. Right. And when she was born, I was like so strong and so self-assured and of the faith and was new prayer was so powerful and knew God was real no matter what. And then just after one thing after another, a lot of doubt came in Mm -hmm. and it's hard to figure out where is God when your child is hurting. And to me, what seemed like an innocent person, you know, she's a baby and all of these things are happening to her. It just didn't quite seem fair and just 
And so I had to figure out where God fit into all that and how to pray for somebody with chronic health conditions and what life could look like with God, with all of this stuff kind of intersecting and being woven together. So it's been a challenge, but I have grown a lot from those early days. That's for sure. Wow. So what is one thing looking back you wish you would have done differently spiritually? And that's an interesting question, too, uh, that, that you've posed to do something differently spiritually. I don't think that we think in terms of of that, you know, of doing something differently in our spiritual life. We think, you know, oh, I would have taken this action or, you know, maybe I would have gotten them in sooner for a diagnosis or you know, made that appointment differently. But to think about it in terms of how would we change what we did in the spiritual way uh, is is a very different perspective. So tell me more about that. Yeah, I I was really strong in prayer. And then I got very confused. <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> always a lot of opinions. And I'm sure you've heard some of these. There's people that think, well, if your child is born with a disability, God sent them to you. That's God's gift to you. Mm-hmm. Accept it and move on. And then there's people that think you should pray certain diagnosis away. And I'm not trying to say who's right or wrong, but I became confused because I'm hearing both of these points of view. Okay. Right. If, if God made my daughter to be Down syndrome and nonverbal, then how do I pray for her to get better? Should I pray for her to get better? What does that look like? I just got really confused, honestly. I didn't know how to pray anymore. And and again, going back with chronic health conditions, when uh, how do you pray for somebody who keeps having these respiratory things flood again and again and again? And when doctors tell you a perspective and and it's really hard to have faith in those situations that anything can change after a certain amount of time. So I really wish I would have stuck with prayer because there was a time where I just kind of not consciously decided not to pray. It just fizzled out over time of being confused, being exhausted, being just whatever negative emotion you could think of, just being stressed, being worried for my daughter's life, not knowing how to pray about it. I just, it fizzled to nothing. And that just allowed doubt to grow and grow and grow and Mm -hmm. negative thinking to just take over and spin out of control. I I got to a really ugly place in my thoughts and my outlook in life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I always say, ask my husband, he'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So what does that mean? Give me an example of what you mean. You know, if she got sick, I I would just say, well, I guess we're going to get back in the hospital. This this sucks. This is horrible. And just kind of going about it with that attitude where now I'm like, okay, she's getting sick again. Okay. I have medicine. We can take care of this. Maybe she won't go back in the hospital. I'm going to pray with her right now. And so just to not kind of spiral out of control and give up immediately when some bad things kind of occur in life. Oh, I see. Yeah. So you talk about your outlook on life. How is it different for you with a medically complex child? What is the difference between your outlook on life and what you think the outlook is for others with maybe more typical children who don't have these kinds of issues? Yeah, I think about this a lot. Like, how would I view the world? And what what would I do differently had it not been for my kids? 
because honestly, it has changed my entire perspective. You know, I, I hear so many parents, oh my gosh, you didn't get an A plus on your spelling or, um, you didn't hit all your shots in the basketball game. Like, who cares? You know, I, I just wonder, like, would I have been that? Would that have been me? I think I might have been that person in, in another life, you know. Um, right. <laughs> right. We're more concerned about if our kid makes the team rather than, okay, I hope, I hope we don't end up in the hospital and on a ventilator tonight. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, it has really changed my perspective. And honestly, I didn't have a healthy perspective, even at the beginning. JC, from the get-go, had health problems. And some were related to Down syndrome and some were not. So we've I always tell people, if you think you understand Down syndrome, I guarantee my story it, it is not like what you've experienced. Because she's just had a lot of weird things with tachycardia and lung issues that just don't even go with it. So even with the things that we went through early on, I was just so fixated on, okay, I want her to do her best. I want her to have the best start. I want to get as much therapy as I can. I want her to learn this. I've got to stimulate that. I was just so therapy focused. And part of it is the fact that I am a speech pathologist and that's my training. That's how my brain works. And so I was just very like, oh, I've got to do, 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 do. And that there came a time when when we went through these horrific respiratory things going turning blue at home rushing her to the hospital i mean that has happened so many times i can't even like remember how many you know and then it's like if i am putting all this energy into this and she cannot breathe and we're laid up sick maybe not in the hospital for an extended time but she doesn't recover quickly we're if she's on the couch doing medicine for weeks on end, what does all of that matter if you can't breathe? You know what I mean? Right. It's just such a different perspective. And, and, it, and whether you have a typical child or you don't, or you have a child with special needs that you're hoping gets to a certain spot, you know, I want her to do the best that she can and I help her along, but I am not like, a hundred percent of my day fixated on how I can stimulate her and get her skills up to there. Right. Because there, there was a time where looking back, I just wish I would have like been her mom and sat on the couch and loved her, you know, sure. <laughs> and, instead of my brain going, um, okay, we need to do a puzzle and work on fine motor skills and all of the stuff that even us as children uh, uh, that have children with special needs get caught up in. It's like, it's somehow a reflection on our parenting on if our child is mild, moderate, severe, somehow that becomes a reflection on us. And, and so I'm thankfully with the Lord's help and with everything else, been able to get a healthy perspective in a lot of areas and, and, and a much healthier relationship with my kiddo too. Right. I think you've touched on something that a lot of parents will find comforting. <laughs> uh, I hope so anyway. And that is just spending time loving your child and not being worried about making sure. I mean, of course, we're going to spend time 
on the things that they need to do. We need to spend time on their fine motor skills and we need to spend time on, you know, feeding therapy and getting food into their bodies and, you know, speech therapy and OT and PT and ABA and all of those different things. Of course, we're going to do all of those things. But like you said, sometimes we get so caught up in making sure that we do, do, do that we forget that it's okay to just cuddle with them on the couch. You know, just put on a show or just, you know, sometimes Sam will come in and he just wants to hug and he just wants to sit next to me and just hug me and hold Aww. me. And that's all he wants. Yeah. And there was a time when I didn't know if that would ever be a part of our lives. You know, there right. was a time when I didn't know if he would, I didn't know that, I didn't know if he knew how much I loved him. And now we have a contest every night. I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I love <laughs> you to the moon. No, I love you. And he's 13, you know, and we have these contests on who loves who more. And but I won because for Christmas, I bought him a uh, a little sign I found at Hobby Lobby that says love you more. <laughs> <laughs> he opened it up and he's like, Mom, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> We're going to hang that above your bed and you will know that I will always love you more. And it's just a wonderful thing. But he just wants to come and be held. He just wants to sit in my love, you know, and yeah. that it's okay to just do that and to enjoy our children in that way and to put aside all of the other things, put aside all of the, you know, all of the planning for, for therapy and all of the things that we do, put it all aside and just sit and be present with our kids and even if they can't express that to us, I think that they want that, you know, they need that. Even if they can't tell us, mom, I just want you to sit and be quiet and hold me, you know, so we have to be proactive in that and make, you know, make time for that and be intentional about finding those moments to be able to do that. And then I think the flip side of that is for us to go and do the same thing with our father and go and just sit and rest and be in God's presence and let him just comfort us because our hearts are hurting for our kids. Do you have those times where you just go and sit and maybe, you, maybe you're a crier, maybe not, but you <laughs> just go and you're just like, okay, father, just hold me. Have you ever, have you ever experienced that before? Yeah, you know, I used to not be a crier, but I am now. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, and I think I have a, a problem with that because I'm just one of those, I like to be busy all the time. And I I think it's a way to deal with some of the anxiety of the situation, too. And so it is important to sit because you're right. We need that just like our kids need it. And we need to have time to kind of, think about the things that are going on and how, how it is hard. And it's sometimes hard to sit down and say, you know, this wasn't the best and kind of admit that to ourselves and be open to God about that. Right. Now, forgiveness is a common theme in your book. So explain some of the situations you've been in as a parent where you had to exercise forgiveness. Yeah. So I, I say in my book, I feel like being the parent of a child with special needs just breeds forgiveness <laughs> because we are constantly <laughs> around people with opinions, doctors, therapists, or people who say things that are hurtful that they don't even know it. 
And there's just more people involved in our kids' care on a daily basis. And so I just feel like there's so many opportunities to get offended or get upset. And and some of them are, are, you know, justified, but still we have to deal with it and not hold grudges. But I tell a lot of stories in my book and there are some that I feel like people would read and think, well, why were you upset about that? And others that I know people would say, yeah, that was a big deal. So uh, one one story in the book I tell is we went grocery shopping at our local Kroger and grocery shopping was stressful at that time because my daughter would run off or throw things in the floor and, you know, she didn't didn't really mean to do those things, but that's just where she was at sure. developmentally. And, and it was stressful. Sure, yeah. I tried to go shopping without her, but inevitably life happens. And there's sometimes you got to take your kids with you. And so I bravely mm-hmm. went to this grocery store on a Saturday afternoon, <laughs> like the, the craziest time, right? <laughs> yeah. And let's just stop for a moment and take in the word brave there. You know, I mean, just you know, to, to, okay, we're going to do this. Maybe, maybe we can do it without incident. Let's right. let's hope for the best. Gird your loins, people. Here we come. Exactly. Like I was so brave, but nobody knows it. <laughs> so you have yeah. no idea how brave I'm being just by being here today. Exactly. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so we go the grocery so shopping. Went- <laughs> yes. We go grocery shopping. It went perfect. I'm thinking, what a great day. Like, I'm such a great parent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember loading those bags in, and I loaded her wheelchair in, and I thought, this has been such a great day. And I get in the van, and so does my two kids. And this man tapped on my window and I thought maybe he needs to borrow my phone or he's got car trouble. I don't know. It was an elderly man and he had a cowboy hat on. So I ended up calling him the sheriff of the Kroger parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Sheriff of the Kroger parking lot. That's fantastic. (laughs) So he he points into my car and he says, I see your parking handicap and you got in really nimbly. Uh, I don't think that belongs to you. And I said, yeah, it was bad. And so I said, yeah, it belongs to my daughter. And I rolled my window down and I'm horrible at confrontation. So like, you know, I'm not one of those people that talk really well when I'm being confronted. My brain just shuts down. I get nervous. Right. I roll her window down and he's like, oh, oh, well, um, I guess you can park here then. But um, I didn't see her get in. Oh, my. There's no way I could have left her in this car for 45 minutes. Like, please. (laughs) So he's like, well, um, you know, you know, people uh, park illegally. And he's like giving me this speech. I'm like, okay, but I'm parked legally. I'm using my daughter's placard. She's with me. I'm fine. And he went on and on. Like he would not apologize. And he kept giving me this speech that I'm sure he's given a hundred times. And he's like, my wife is disabled. She needs these handicapped spaces and she's in there right now. And of course my husband said later, like, why wasn't he in the store helping his disabled wife? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Why did I think of that? 
Right. So, we, well, we always think of those things later. Like, oh, I should have said this. Oh, yeah. You know, I, yeah. It was just an awkward conversation. But, you know, a story like that, people can be like, oh, yeah, I see why that was hurtful and offensive and why that bothered you and you were having a great day. And then it turned into a crummy day. And my son was there and he was like, what was all that about mom? I'm like, oh, geez, now I got to like explain this to him. And I, right. I, I mean, there are so many times after that experience that I've had, I just thought, should I even park handicapped? Cause I don't want somebody to yell at me, but anyway, it's, it's like scarred me for life. But Ugh. you know, I, I did my friend joke with me like the next day and said, did you forgive the man? And, and, I just laughed at her, but in my heart, I was saying, no, I want to be mad at him for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done being mad yet. No. <laughs> I'll let you know when I am. <laughs> Thanks for pulling God into this story. Okay. I was right. trying to have a grudge. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I really didn't feel like being convicted. I was so brave. I was so brave. <laughs> <sighs> he ruined he ruined it all he ruined i know it. but it's true and it's something we have to do every you know all the time all the time and so many people say things that are well-meaning you know they're not accusing you of parking in in a spot that doesn't belong to you they're not accusing you of things they just say things and i i i truly believe that they are well-meaning they just it's just People don't understand how hurtful it actually is, you know, to, to say things. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just, I mean, that's a whole other, that's a whole other show right there. Right. But, <laughs> um, yeah. but it is something we have to, we have to deal with regularly and we do have to, to face, we have to deal with it in our hearts and, you know, something that, that I try to, to tell other people or, find teachable moments. You know, I'm not really sure how to, you know, quote, teach other people except to just model it myself. But like, okay, I'm going to choose to hear the heart of what you're saying and not your words because your words are stupid. <laughs> you know, you have chosen really stupid words, but I hear your heart in that. And I'm going to choose to hear that over your words. And I'm not going to tell you what to say or what not to say, because I don't know that you would really understand that even if I were to tell you that right now, but maybe they'll read the blog or maybe they'll listen to the podcast and they'll hear, hmm, maybe I shouldn't say that to people anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, like things like, um, well, gosh, you know, to look at your son, I wouldn't think that he's autistic. He doesn't look like he has autism. And and I know what they mean by that, right. you know, I, I, I understand what they mean. And my new response now is thank you, <laughs> you know, thank you. That's, and I truly mean thank you because, but what they don't understand is it has taken 40 hours a week of therapy, you know, for years, you know, or, or only a few hours a week for what we could manage, what we could afford, or what I just had to do at home you know, other than that, it's been 24 seven therapy, you know, all the time that's gotten him to this point where, where he's not constantly scripting Star Wars and pretending to have a lightsaber battle in the middle of, you know, the service, you know, so I understand what you're saying by that. But at the same time, it's, you know, autism is a hidden disability. You don't have, you know, you don't have physical features that proclaim to the world that you have a disorder of any kind, like some other things, you know. Yeah. And 
So I understand what they mean. Um, and they're trying to give a compliment. So most of the time, unless I'm just in a really foul mood, <laughs> um, but most of the time, you know, and I don't, I don't tell them all of this. It's just my internal conversation with myself because I have those <laughs> yeah. on the daily, but you know, okay, I choose to hear the heart of what they're saying. And I might vent those frustrations later. I have had people say, what do you mean? You know, I say, thank you. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll just explain, well, you can't see that anybody has autism. It's just by these different symptoms. And, and what you mean is he talks like a typical person can talk. He's verbal. He can have a conversation with you. They're typically all about movies or all about running cross country because that's what he loves and that's what he perseverates on. But but that's not what you're focused on. You just see that he's talking. And, you know, I've even had people say, I didn't know that autistic kids could smile or laugh, <laughs> and which that blew my mind. Right. You know, there was a picture of Sam when he was a baby and he's just got this big old smile. And that was just and it's not uh, anything bad against the person who said it. They just didn't know. They had been informed wrongly, you know, by some some form, either on TV or, you know, some Yahoo online saying things yes. about, you know, what kids can and cannot do. And she genuinely didn't understand that kids can smile, kids can laugh. And and I try really hard not to make people feel bad about that. But I mean, the sheriff at Kroger, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Well, I said we may need to have some words. I sent a letter to the editor and, and educated the general public about handicap use for children. So anyway, I got my. Oh. <laughs> See, hopefully he read that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's the type of person who reads who reads the newspaper who reads so. the the letters to the editor. I you know, I think so. the sheriff. I think he's a letter to the editor kind of reader, I, don't you? I thought so. He fit the demographic. I thought yeah. so. <laughs> I like what you said, though. Uh, so, yeah. I, I like what you said about your son and, and the things people have said about him. And I think time gives you a, a different perspective because our, our kids are about the same age because my daughter's going to turn 13, too. And mm -hmm. I just remember crying over the stupidest comments when she was a baby. And I mean, it would just get me down and people just you know, the, the things that they say, like, well, maybe she's not walking because you're not making her walk. It's like, um, nobody walks when they're <sighs> one and with Down syndrome, they all walk when they're two. Like, she's not behind, you know, but it would make me right. cry. And so all those comments, but I can blow them off a lot easier now. There are things that just would have ruined my day. Like, a, let's see, it was last year, the year before we went to a gas station and, you know, one of those things I was going out, we were, had a fun day planning and, and we were going in the, to the gas station. This guy held the door open for me, but his friend was in the way. And so he said, don't mind him. He needs the special bus or something about the special or the short bus. Oh. So like my kid is right there, you know, and like that oh would goodness. have ruined my day years ago. I would have cried. I would have got upset, but I was just like, you know what? He opened the door for me. He was kind. He said something ignorant but I was able to let it go and I think that's something years of parenting and just kind of knowing being more comfortable with your own family and your situation and knowing that people don't always say the right thing and that's okay right yeah people don't always say the right thing and 
so choosing to find the good in what they are saying or trying to hear beyond beyond their words. I think that's important to to understand. And it's 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 frustrating because I think our forgiveness level sometimes some days it's like it just keeps coming. Right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> My my forgiveness level is starting to fill up here, you know. I don't I don't know how much more I can take of this, but but to extend the kindness anyway and to extend grace wherever we can. And there's always gonna be someone who just says what we think is the wrong thing. And, you know, even in our own special needs world, there's all these debates about even using the term special needs and all of these different things and and everyone has an opinion on everything. Yeah. And I just can't be all things to all people. Yeah. I just, I, I would have to just never speak. Right. You know? Right. Just, <laughs> yeah. We have to forgive on the daily and it can be very difficult to do when it just seems like, okay, that those words were more stupid than the words I heard yesterday. Ah. <laughs> that can be... That can be really difficult. We never say that to the person, though. We don't say that to the person. And now that people are listening to the podcast, they might be thinking, oh, my goodness, does she think the words that I'm saying are stupid? But me and you have have grown, so they know that we're okay. That's true. That's true. That's true. So bringing back around the hope that you talked about earlier, tell me, what is your special hope in living this life with a child, with children, with special needs and, and disability, what special hope do you have to encourage others with? Yeah, I just want people to know that even though your life may be really hard, maybe your child's going through hospital stays, chronic illness, just chaos at times, I think it's important to know that peace with God and a life with God is possible and that you can Understand that ultimately God is good and God is there for you, even when things just don't seem like it. That most people would look at your situation and say, oh my gosh, like what would I do if I was her? But somehow, if you pull through and you reach into God and continue in prayer life, I think you can find that peace and you can have the assurances that you're looking for and you can find the hope Mm -hmm. in God and in a future for your kids if you really seek it and truly stay connected. Right. And we do have a hope in our kids' future. You know, we have a hope not only in this earthly life, but, you know, in the one after this. You know, I love in Revelation that God is making all things new. And we see those glimpses here as we're living this life, you know, like those perfect days when you had a wonderful day at the grocery store and you were super <laughs> anxious about it, but it went beautifully. And I know it seems, you know, just not as important, but it's even times like that where we see the goodness and the grace of God, you know, just in little moments and celebrating the little victories. We see that here now, but one day everything will be made new and there will be, there will be just perfection and all the way around. And that is going to be a glorious day. And we have hope in Christ through all of that. And that's just such a beautiful hope that all parents with kids with medical, fragile, complex issues need with autism, with Down syndrome, with with all of these things. It's something that everybody needs, but especially those of us who, you know, we struggle a little bit more on a daily basis and we need that hope. Yeah, exactly. Ivana, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your heart with us. 
If you'd like to connect with Ivana, you can find her on Facebook at facebook.com slash specialpurposedlife. You can also find her on Twitter at Ivana Sandusky. Don't forget to check out her book, Badges of Motherhood, One Mother's Story About Family, Down Syndrome, Hospitals, and Faith on Amazon. Or find the link on her website, which is specialpurposelife.blogspot.com. All of these links will be made available in today's show notes, so please check those out. I'm your host, Sarah Brody, and this is A Special Hope. You can find our website at hopeinautism.com slash Podcast. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at A Special Hope Podcast and on Twitter at A Special Hope Pod. You can also email me at A Special Hope Podcast at hopeinautism.com. I'd love to connect with you on social media and hear your comments. If you're enjoying listening to A Special Hope, I would greatly appreciate it if you could share the love by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It goes a long way towards helping others find hope and encouragement in the special needs journey. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great week. Okay, and that's it. So I think that went great. Good. That went very well.